Welcome to Kingdom Light Church. We believe this message by Dave Besson will find entrance in your heart and impact in your life in a supernatural way. For more information, please visit our website, Instagram account, and Facebook page. Really a special welcome to those who are visiting us for the first time. I, uh, I, I just want to thank the church, the, the KLC family, for, for being who you are. Um, you know, somebody wanted to come to church here. Who was it? Somebody met me and they said, oh, they, they, they're coming to visit us soon. And we're probably going to um, uh, dedicate the baby. And, and this lady's had a couple of bad experiences in some of the other churches. And I said to her, I said to her, man, I can say without a doubt, you can walk in the front door of Kingdom Light Church and feel welcome. Now, that's, that's a kind of confidence that you don't just get by yourself. You have to be able to be assured that that's the kind of people you've got in your church. And I want to thank you for being that kind of people, for loving on anybody and everybody that comes through that door and trying to be a blessing. So thank you for that. All right. Genesis 12 verse 1, but before we start, let me tell you this morning where I believe this message has come from or how God got this message into my head and into my being. And man, you should have been in the first service. Well, I believe you're in the second service, so the second service is going to be better than the first service, just because you're here, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was chatting to somebody and he came to me and he said to me, Dave, will you please go with me through my prophetic word? Because there's some stuff I need to understand and there's some stuff that's worrying me and stuff. And so he, the, the specific word that he was, was referring to was a word that this guy had received from Bobby. Now, now th there's a lot of deciphering that's got to go into a Bobby Lejeune word. First of all, the man has got a Louisiana draw. So y'all, you know, so he's kind of really an American when it comes to that. Second of all, when he gets to prophesying, he's half in the spirit. I mean, he's all in the spirit, but half of the language that's coming out of his mouth and the manifestations is Holy Ghost and the other is English. You know, so you've got to, you've got to, so he's like, shaka, and then he prays a couple of words and then he goes, and then he goes, shoo, you know. So I said to the guy, you need to take the kurabashika and the shoo and the ha out and put that on a page all by itself and get blessed by that. He said, that's fine. But the rest of the English you need to write down and you need to focus on that stuff because God's saying stuff to you. And so we went through it and it was fairly easy to go through most of it and there was like real blessings and stuff. And then there was this certain phrase that caught my eye and I went yo and I listened to it and I wrote it down I thought this is going to be a difficult one and in it Bobby says to him I see diamonds and diamond mines I see coal mines I see wealth then he goes on 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 and then he says I see seed planted in your life deep that you have sown but it's deep planted seed and you're going to have to delve for it because it's coming up and it you know he started speaking to him and the whole prophecy starts he says there's a harvest in God's hand that is about to give to you so I'm explaining some of this stuff to this guy and I said you know the the fact is that 
there is a spiritual side to everything and there's a physical side to everything. And we've got to listen to the Holy Ghost to find out what is he talking about. Is he talking physical? Is he talking spiritual? Is he talking both? And I said to him, the fact that he prophesies wealth and business and minds and stuff could be a spiritual breakthrough of great value. I said, but then again, it could be that he's really talking about minds. Now that's so far from that guy and me and Mr. Average's actual reference point that God would give you a mind. Hello? You know, it's like, what? A mind? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Peter was telling me a story behind the story with the Chief Justice. said that he was just a judge. Well, not just a judge. He was a judge. But he... He, I think he must have done it when he was a student because he continued doing it. He was driving people. He was chauffeuring people. And they said to him, so what do you do? And you know, he said, I'm a judge. They said, but why do you chauffeur people if you're a judge? And he said, I just like doing it. And then the guy, it was three years ago, eh? the guy said to him, um, prophesied over him and said, I see you. What is the highest? He said to him, what's the highest rank a judge can have? And he said, chief justice of the country. And the guy said, I see you as chief justice of the country. That was three years ago. So that's the story behind the story, just for interest's sake ab about that. And so we have word that comes into our life, but it seems so far and so distant and so impossible that we're inclined to deny it. We're inclined to overlook it. We are inclined to look for other versions of it. I said, and, and this is just a pause part outside of the scripture i said on thursday night and on wednesday night i was drawing on the board and i and i was talking about certain stuff and i said there are two schools of thought when it comes to really great things that we aren't seeing when it comes to teachings in the bible the one is we start talking about miracles and i don't see miracles in my own life and so what they did was the one school of thought said the miracles ended with the apostles they drew a line down the middle of the bible and they said that's it that's it we can't explain why god does miracles today but the miracles are past and so people put stuff in a box and say it's not it's no longer possible just they make up their own gospel and they put it there they're two schools of thought the other school is i don't see it yet but it's here and if it's here, it must be real, and it must be possible, and it must be able to get it. And they say, I'm going to go after this thing until I see it. And those are the people that have come up with things like um, the Holy Ghost being poured out, or John Z. Lake, half of his siblings die because of a hereditary disease. And somewhere in the midst of that, as a young boy, he said, I've had enough of my family being killed off by this disease, went into the Bible, found a scripture that said, by his stripes we are healed, and said, I'm going to stick to this thing until I see it happen in my family. And it did, and he became one of the greatest miracle workers for God when it comes to healing that's ever walked upon the face of this earth. So I have a choice. I can either write it off and say it's not mine, or I can go for it. Okay, are you with me? So, so, so in bearing that in mind, Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 12, verse 1, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred or family and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Hello. 
Not a land that is now in existence that I can say to you, there is a land and it's that land. No, it's a land somewhere out in I will show you. <laughs> it's not easy when God says, I'll, sh I'll show you, but I'm not showing you now. Are you with me? The word show there is spelt in the King James, S-H-E-W, to see, to look to inspect, to perceive, to consider. And the list goes on and on and on. It could be a spiritual showing. It could be something far deeper. But he says to him, what does he say to him? He said, a land. So the very first thing that God speaks to Abraham about is not about a baby boy called Isaac. The first thing he speaks to him about is about a now, for us in modern-day terms, if somebody says to you about a land, you say, oh, well, I'm immigrating to Australia. That's the land. But it's not my land. It's just a, a land. The concept here and the context here is not, I'm going to show you Australia at some stage and you're going there. No, it's a land. And as you'll see now, very, very shortly, it's a land that belongs to you. Talk about coal mines. Talk about diamond mines. Talk about gold mines. Talk about wealth. Talk about... God's showing him a... Hello. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Verse 2. And I will make thee a great nation. Hello. A great nation and I will bless thee. Ah. Not talking about bald-headed people in Afrikaans. It's near bless waarvan hy praat nie. I will bless thee. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every do anything to get a smile out of some of you this morning. Kicking the pastor. Mm -hmm. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. Before we go on. God has no problem with blessing you and God has no problem with giving you a nation or making you a nation and God has no problem with making your name great. Because if God makes you great, the implication is everybody will know who made you great. That's the implication. The implication is God has no problem with making you great because when people look at you, they know that the one that made you great, they actually know him automatically, immediately and say, only God could do that for that guy. Hello. <laughs> God makes us great because that's how he gets made great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Do you see the things that God is talking about to Abraham at this point in time? It's got nothing to do with a child yet, but the mass of the hugeness of the promise is there for everybody to see, but we run over it without actually seeing what God is actually saying to Abraham. This stuff is too high to come by. <laughs> and I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in the, okay, wait, stop. So there's an implication here, and it's before law and before anything else. God says, you are precious to me. Those that are on your side, I'm on their side. Those that are against you, I'm against them. <laughs> we don't really want to know that part. But the fact is, by implication, 
When Paul touches Jesus, when Paul touches the congregation, Jesus shows up in an in a, in a meeting with Paul. He said, "Paul, Paul, it's hard for you." He says, "Who are you, Lord?" He says, "I am Jesus that you persecuted." But I thought Paul was just persecuting the church. But to Jesus, the church is. So do you see the implication? It's the fact that you're going against someone that God dwells in. The fact is it's not God doing it, but you actually know that you're going against the blessed one. And the source of his blessing is God. You're very quiet right now. But I think you need to know that. There's an implication of blessing people or cursing them. Did I say it here? Did I say it in the, second, the, the first service? I said, don't be jealous of somebody that God is blessing. If somebody has favor, celebrate the favor they have because there's favor coming to you too. Kubis used to say, the guys celebrate the fact that Muhammad has just bought himself a C63 with the newest wheels in town. Say, have you seen what Muhammad Faisal is driving? Sure, yes. And like, isn't that car great? And then the Christian comes around the corner in his new Taz or Kia. Boom. And you see, she's driving a new Taz. Where did she get it from? Pasture at the Mercedes Benz. I smoke a with diamante. You know why you're laughing? Is because you've actually heard that said in the company of people. If a pastor gets blessed, he's, he's busy doing something untoward somewhere. I know there's a whole bunch of them that do, but that doesn't say that all of them doing it. Amen. As the father would say, Hallelujah. Where are we, verse 3? Are we there? Ah. And in thee, say in me, shall all, say shall all, say all, families of the earth be blessed. Let me get this straight. He says, in thee, all families, he doesn't say all the families, he says all families of the earth will be blessed. The fact is that that blessing resides on the children of God for the ability to bless. And I walk around blessing people. It's up to the person of the whole family part to receive what I'm carrying or not. Hello. I might say to you, God bless you, brother. I feel God's doing something. And you say, mm, I don't know. I don't see any of that anywhere. I'm just going on. The blessing is there. Whoo, man, let's get some movement into this thing. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance, and they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanites, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, Thy seed, say seed. That means offspring. 
So up until this point in time, he hasn't mentioned anything. He said, name great, blessing, nations will be blessed, a nation. He's been speaking about such great things. Now he says, and all thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Say, giving thanks. Giving acknowledgement. Giving honor. Putting up a monument. I have a word from God. Thank you, God. I receive that word. All right? He's seen this land and he's seen this offspring. Um, then he goes down to Egypt because there's a famine. Man. He goes down to Egypt. I didn't say this in the first verse. He goes down to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. When he gets there, he's scared that the Pharaoh, who is a king, say king, is going to take his wife and kill him. So he says to his, his wife, you're my sister. Pharaoh, I'm, I'm doing just a quick one because we've got to get going. Pharaoh finds out about it, rebukes him, restores his wife. Now, if you go to Isaac and see that Isaac did the same thing, you will see what happened. God allowed the detour to get into Egypt, to get into a king's house, because all he had at that point in time was traveling mercies. He was just walking along with what he took from where he left. But when king restored and was sorry about the fact that he nearly took this man's wife, he restored unto him a whole lot of stuff. Because in chapter 13 it says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, remember there where he was with him, and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And the next verse says, And Abraham was very rich. <laughs> oh, is it in the Bible? Are you sure? I say, Sika, and this ni reek ni this reek this geld it's not a smell rich it's the real rich abraham was rich god took him through a detour to get him on the route to a promise that in you and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed i'm starting the blessing process abraham you didn't know it was going to come through pharaoh you didn't know how it was going to be but i'm your provider dave are you sure this is the right message for this morning? Well, going by the first service and going by the result of the first service, I know it's the right message because you and me and a whole bunch of people after the whole economy of this country has been waiting and sitting idle to see if there will still be a country after the elections has caused an economic downturn that's touching all of us, but you don't want to, re you, you don't want to relate to that, you don't want to speak about that, you're just telling everybody, I'm okay, Jack, but in the meantime, you know you're not okay, you know that your, your, your monthly thing is not okay, come on, Dave, I, I know, I can feel it, I can see it, I speak to a lot of people, but here's the thing, God says there's a season of change, He said this morning, get hold of this thing, and bring people's expectancy up, to be able to see stuff that they've never seen before, to be able to expect stuff they've never known before, to see a change in their income. So let me go back. I'm in Malmesbury, 25 years plus ago. Young pastor, not a very rich church, and we're doing the, the whole satellite thing. We're planting little church-type home cell things. Already then, God had me doing it in Darling and in Mariasburg, out of Malmesbury. 
In the Marinesburg crowd was about 30 people in the house. And the first night, we started in the house. Then we graduated and, and got out into the, um, the showgrounds, into a lovely thatched roof. So we go into this house, and I am the prophesying to a bunch of people. And so I go up to this one man, and I say to him, God is about to bless you. I know nothing about anything. Afterwards, he shows me the stuff. I even told him about the book and the pad, paper next to his bed and the dreams. I told him everything. And I'm speaking to him about it, and I'm saying, I see cars, and I see yachts, and I see jets, and I see buildings and factories. And I went home. I lied not to you. Asked my wife. I said, I'm never going to prophesy to anybody again. I'm a lying I put my hand on my head. I said, Yay, lich, cease for you. Where did you get this lying spirit from? I was not impressed with myself. How can you say these impossible things to this man? Fifteen years later, I came to this city. The man was in this city then. He had a company. He stayed up in Gordons Bay. He stayed in a beautiful house overlooking the sea on pillars. I went to his factory. I saw the factory. He came and fetched me one afternoon in his new 7 Series. We drove out to Claymont. He got out, walked around the car, gave me the keys. He said, you driving home. I sat on that stinky leather and I went, hee, hee, hee. This is so nice. I'm so sad that when I get to the end of this drive, I'm not going to be able to I have to go back to my little car. And I'm driving this 7 Series. And I'm just enjoying. I'm dreaming. I'm going, Whoosh. We had to go back up country twice. Twice our trip up country coincided with a trip he had to make. Get into a mistral. It's like the family of the Lear. It's like a five, six-seater jet with this lacquer plush. You fly at 41,000. You look out the window. At 31,000, there's little planes flying down there, green and white ones. Kalula.com. You up another, another couple of stories looking down on those boys. It's where it starts to get dark. You can see the, where the light ends and the darkness starts. You're just on the edge of outer space. I'm sitting there going, whoo, Jesus, this is awesome. I drove in those planes. I walked on his yacht. I sat in his houses. I saw his cars. I saw his factories. And what I thought I was lying about 15 years before, everything. <laughs> Impossible. Impossible to believe. Impossible. I saw it. He's not the only one. I'm just telling you one testimony to save time. I'm stretching you this morning to lift the barrier spiritually, calling-wise, uh, architecturally, family, whatever it is. I'm stretching you this morning to look higher than you've ever looked before. young lady i prophesied to that she was she was she was about to start studying she was like matric just out of matric she was starting to study prophesied a practice dentistry whatever she didn't have enough money to fetch the plane to go to tickets she's qualified she's married she's got her own practice i can go on and on and on none of that stuff was obvious at the time of its saying but if you stick to it and you say god is able and you hear the word and you take it there's an opportunity coming more than an opportunity and i believe we in that season but if you hear the word and somebody says there's a business or two or three or five 
And the prophet stands in front of you and says, I see business. And then he goes, but I don't see one. I see two, three. I see five businesses. And he starts saying that. You're going, no. You've got to stretch yourself to believe what God is saying to you this morning and go beyond that because God gave me this word to say to you. And then he took me to Abraham and he said, read Abraham's life story. I'm not going to get through it. You need to read from 12 to 22 and beyond. And you need to see how far it went. And you need to see how many times he diverted and deviated and made an Ishmael and, and doubted. And every time God comes and says to him, I'm not going to go to the Word of God. I'm just going to tell you the story. You can go and read it. Every time. The first time God says to him, your, your, your offspring is going to become like the sand of the sea. He's not talking to him about one little boy. But all Abraham is worried about, and it comes out later, is what in the 15th chapter, Abraham has a meeting with God. He says, God, I hear all this stuff, but I don't even have an, op- I don't have an heir. He said, I'm, my stuff that I have, that you've given me, my, my, my servant Eliezer is going to inherit this stuff. And God said to him, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Listen, you must, you'll be shocked in your being to see how many times it says to Abraham, Abraham, believe God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's mentioned in the Bible more times than you can imagine. And then the other one, it says to Abraham, he said, And in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You will be shocked to see how many times. Do you know that Jesus confronted by the Sadducees or the Pharisees about resurrection? Do you know what his main argument is? He says, I'm not talking to you about a dead person when I talk to you about God who is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, for God is a God of the living, not of the dead. Yeah. You must see how many times Jesus takes Abraham and refers to him and his faith and, 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 and speaks to ah, ah. Ah. Chapter 13, verse 9 and 10. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt make left hand, then I will go to the right. I will go. Thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered. Where everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even the garden of the Lord. So it means Eden, huh? Even the God of the Lord, like a land of Egypt, as thou comest out of Zoar. Like this, this place was like Eden when Lot looked at it. And Lot chose him the plain of Jordan. You know what that story is? Do not sow your worst stuff to somebody else. Abraham said, Lot, there's a lot of country around, but you go first. You choose the best, brother. I bless you with it. Go for it. And Abraham sowed the best, best of the bestest to Lot. But if you read further, then God takes him down to a place. Ah, ah. 
Verse 12, And Abraham dwelled in Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities in the plain where he pitched the tent towards Sodom. Oh, and then he goes down. And then it says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after, to, uh, after Lot had separated him from him. So afterwards, lift, now, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward. When last did you have a word that said to you, Listen, stand up on the hill that I'm putting you on. Look in any direction. Come on, guys. I'm trying to stretch your imagination this morning. Not to limit God. God gives him an expansive word that says, North, South, East, West, it belongs to you. Get out and start walking. This was who the Bura land. And then, yeah. Yeah, not a, not, a, not a plot, not a stand, not even a farm, a land. He says, walk on it, every place you place your... F- Sean is practicing every place you place your foot. He gets a trip and the flight that he gets goes from Bunos to London, via London, to New York. A ridiculous flight. He said, I didn't plan it, but I'm getting off in London. And when I get off the plane in London, I'm going to quote the scripture. Every place you place your foot. How crazy is it to walk around the city seven times, once every day, and then on the seventh day seven times, and then blow a trumpet and get the city? Johan, I just believe, you know what, that, that house in Constantia, you know that one that you love so much? When last did you walk around it? But did you walk around it? Okay, but then walk in the front and walk in the back and walk so far as you can and even ask the guy if you can walk in. But go and walk. Chapter 14, he goes into a battle with kings. Abraham himself is not a king, but his stuff gets stolen and his brother-in-law's son gets taken. And Lot is taken and these guys go away and Abraham goes to war with 300 servants. And he does battle with kings and when he comes back, he's victorious and he walks back in with all the spoils of war. And the king of Sodom comes to meet him and he gives him everything. He says, because I have a word and no man will make me rich. Only God will make me rich. So he gives everything to you. He says, I'm not to even keep a shoelace. Because I'm not going to let anybody tell me that they made me rich. God made me rich. Hallelujah. He meets him in the valley of kings. And he gets a visitation from the God, priest, most high Melchizedek. And Melchizedek gives him communion. Way before communion was known what communion is. Melchizedek gives him bread and wine. And Abraham gives him a tithe of all. And here's the start of great stuff. Because Melchizedek is actually, in my opinion, he's king of righteousness, king of peace, 
no mother, no father, no lineage, alive till the end of days, and I don't know what all there's nobody that can have that CV and not be God. So I call him Christ pre-connate. It's Jesus before time. And he walks in and he blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tithe. It says, the gospel was first preached to Abraham. God preached the gospel to Abraham. We get it preached by preachers. But God himself preached the gospel, the good news, the salvation to Abraham. Peter, where did you say that scripture is that I'm looking for? 18 verse 1. 18.13.14. I'm not going to do your homework. You've got to read this awesome story for yourself. 18 verse 14. So the whole thing is, that there's a lot more preached to Abraham about countries and lands and inheritances and wealth and in blessing I will bless you and you will be a blessing to nations before Abraham gets up in chapter 15 and says, God, but I don't even have offspring. You hear what I'm getting at this morning? The major thing that I want you to see, Abraham is looking at the natural and he's saying, I need a son. To be able to be an heir, I need a son. And you know that and then he went and, and he and, and, and his wife made a plan with the servant woman. And they brought forth an Ishmael and all that kind of stuff. And God still doesn't give up. God then takes him and says to him when he's really down and out, he says, step out of your tent. He says to him, look up. He said, count the stars of heaven if you can. I want to shout at some of you this afternoon, and I want to say to you, get out of your tent. I want to shout at you and say, look up. And I want to say to you, count the stars of heaven if you can. Because the God that promised is even greater than that. I know I'm fighting. I can feel I'm fighting some doubt and some unbelief. I can feel I'm fighting some, yeah, but you don't know how long I've been going through what I've been going through. And no, 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 I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Abraham was 100 years old. It says 75 to 100 is 25 years that Abraham had fussed in faith and said, I'm standing on the word. And he stood on it and stood on it. You know what our problem is? We Google everything and we get instantaneous answers. We get everything instant. In fact, today, I mean, that, that one guy sent me that joke photograph. It says, there's a plastic bag from the chemist and on the outside it says take two tablets before you wake it's kind of difficult but you know today you can program a coffee machine and an egg fryer and a, I don't know what all you can go to bed and when the alarm clock rings that thing's been frying your eggs and cooking your coffee for half an hour before you even woke up you can get up and it's all there and because of that instantaneousness, we're impatient to see what we can get. But it's going to cost you some prayer. And I'm not preaching works now. I'm preaching a trust. I'm preaching a knowledge of the goodness. I'm preaching that you stand on it and stand on it and confess it and say it because God promised. <laughs> I'm getting to the best part now. 18 verse. So they're praying about this child, and when they get the message again, both Abraham and Sarah laugh. And God asks Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And he gives some excuse, and then he answers him in this way. He says, and the Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? 
saying, Shall I surely bear a child which I am old? Are you ready? Can you read? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, I think I, I really expected a louder shout than that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You need to pull your chair up in front of your mirror when you're private and alone. In the bathroom, in the car, you need to pull up a mirror and have a meeting with self. And then you're going to have to say to self, self, here is a meeting with self and with God, and I've got to ask self, is there anything too difficult for God? If you're honest, if you're honest with yourself, at that moment, all lies and deception of the devil have to disappear because if you're honest with yourself, the answer is going to be, has to be, got to be, there is nothing impossible or too difficult for God. I said there is nothing impossible or too difficult for God. Coal mines, diamond mines, companies, breakthroughs, restoration of health, restoration of children's relationship, restoration, restoration, healing, there is nothing too difficult for God. I'm in your face this morning. There is nothing too difficult for God. I'm in the face of every enemy you're facing right now. Nothing is too difficult for God. If He has the guts and the gall to sit on your lap and whisper in your ear, that split foot, horn-headed, tail If he's got the guts and the gall to tell you stuff that's a lie, I've got the guts and the gall to tell you he's a liar. If you take it. I said in the first service, I said, when I come, all the, I said it in this service, when I come and I bless you, the choice for you to receive that blessing, all the nations are blessed. All the people, the families, are blessed. I bless. I have the power to bless. Because he's put the same power in me. That's in him. I have the power to bless. The choice is up to you. That's the hard question. That's the hard marks. Is the choice is up to you. But Dave, no but. But God, no but. But God, yes. If anything you're talking about, then you just say, but God. But God can. Okay. 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 I'm finished. But I happened to pick up a book. And on the front of the book, or I Googled something. And the person that was writing that and me that were Googling didn't expect to get out to one another. And it says, I'm assured that I'm insured. Oh, I'm insured because I'm assured. Talking about the insurance that comes from God. The assurance that comes from God. And suddenly, when I was speaking to this man, the revelation, and it just confirmed the revelation. If you take out any insurance, anywhere in the world, somewhere in the documentation, it's going to say, this policy is underwritten by Hollard, Nedbank, 
liberty and partners. And it quotes some earthly firm that has amazing amount of riches. They say, if your car burns out at home because of a short circuit and you're insured for that, the underwriters will take care of it because they have enough money, enough influence, enough power to take care of that. That's your guarantee. And people have more more assurance and insurance in that underwriting than the New Testament and the New Covenant. Because the New Covenant is said, and God swore by Himself to Abraham. He walked between the offering animals and He swore by Himself because He could find no higher one to swear by. And then He told Abraham again, I will bless you. I will take care of you. I will be. So the fact is this morning, the new covenant that I'm speaking about, the New Testament, is underwritten by God Himself. Ah! Amen. Excuse me, that's just the love I love when I'm having a good time. So this morning, I want you to take something that represents your finance. You're going to come up and you're going to bring an offering of thanks this morning, but it's not about a financial message. It's about the fact that this morning God wants to bless your household. He wants to bless you spiritually and physically beyond measure. I believe it this morning. It's a season of breakthrough. Amen? I want you to take your wallet and I want you to have a quick conflab if your wife is near you and say, she said, some of the guys just, man, that one fell flat on his face. When I said you got a conflab with your wife, the guy just got a bad look on his face. He said, doesn't help I talk to my wife about this stuff. She shoots the thing in the water. And some of the women said, doesn't help I talk to my husband about this stuff. Am I dangerous this morning or what? So I spoke to a guy and he said to me, you know what? I went and sorted the thing out with my wife and we got that, that contentious point out of the way and now the blessing is there and everything's sorted out. Amen. We're going to anoint. I'm going to ask Peter and Rod and Gary and my gray-headed brother here in front, Trevor. I want them to come and stand in positions over here. And we're going to put the offering basket next to Albie over there at the back. And so you come and, and you go to the machine. And when you finish putting your offering, you come and you form a line. And then you form another line. And if you have to go, I understand. But we're just going to anoint you. We're going to put oil on your wallet and we're going to put oil on your head. And we're going to put oil on wherever else, on the pulpit, on the Bible, whatever. But I want you to say, I believe. Angelique, I believe. Okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> Sometimes you need an encouraging word. You moet nie so verras like as die Heere opkom en hy geef jou een encouraging word. Want dis wat die Heere wou net vir jou gesê, sê, ek wil jou net aanmoedig. Are you ready? Is 
there anything too difficult for God? In honor and respect to you, I understand I've had issues that I'm battling with, and some of them are not uh, fixed, and they've been with me for years. Issues that I haven't got clarity on, issues I haven't got answers on. But God spoke to me this week and said to me, Dave, there's nothing too difficult for me. And if Abraham can wait 25 years, then you can wait another couple if you have to. But I'm with you in the meantime. I'm speaking to some of you. Some of you have really faced some tough challenges and are still facing them. But God has not changed. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen? So I'm focusing on a little boy. As my only hope, I just want a child, Lord. That's all I want. God said, you missed it, friend. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you not a child. I'm going to give you an offspring. But in the midst of what I'm going to give you, there are lands. There is wealth. There is enough blessing for you to become a blessing. Don't get hindered and stopped halfway by the smallness of what you're looking at and miss the... Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about Kingdom Light Church and upcoming local and international events, please follow our Facebook page, Instagram account, or visit our website at www.kingdomlightchurch.co.za